welcome to Discount Ticket to a World Unknown. I'm Catherine. And I'm Michaela. <laughs> and we are going to talk about chapters 6 through 10 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes, let's get into it. So <laughs> to recap, so <laughs> absolutely. So to recap, we ended off with um, Harry. He was leaving Hagrid and he went home. He went home to the Dursleys. He sure did. All right. So chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. We start out at um back at the Dursleys again. Uh, yes. And they are getting ready. For, it's been what, like a month since he's seen Hagrid or something like that? A few months, I think. It's yeah. Very and beginning. so we're almost to the beginning of Hogwarts. Right. Um, so I think it's funny that Dudley is scared of Harry now. Just like from the the pigtail incident in the last chapter to now, Dudley does not want anything to do with Harry. He like screams or squeaks or whatever. Yes, he did. Harry. I think what the scene was, was Harry cleared his throat to talk to um, uh, Vernon and he took off running. Dudley took off running. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Yes. That that was a hilarious scene. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the movies kind of missed out on a wonderful scene with that because that would have been hilarious. Yes. And that just would have like seeped in more of how traumatizing that whole thing was for Dudley. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he he's a bad kid, but poor kid, you know, that he has to run off scared every time Harry makes any little noise. (laughs) Yes, yes. And then when Harry is asking Vernon about taking him to London to catch the train the next day, they're taking Dudley to go get the pigtail like surgically removed. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And that was never brought up in the movie. They never actually brought up how they fixed that little problem for Dudley (laughs) he kind of just you know continues being a character uh so I thought that was a very interesting um thing to read especially after watching the movies and then um my thoughts were the Dursleys clearly knew there wasn't a platform nine and three quarters Mm -hmm. they even told Harry but they took him anyway grabbed his suitcases dropped them off and took off out of the car laughing laughing their (laughs) butts off yes they were just like haha you're an idiot like (laughs) the lack of responsibility (laughs) like peace out good luck (laughs) exactly and if i was harry i'd probably be shitting myself like that would just be (sighs) uh, that one for the dursleys to be laughing at me as they're leaving me alone in this crowded platform Exactly. And I have no idea where the fuck I'm supposed to be going. Yes. Like, <laughs> I think that I would probably cry in a corner. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I could it's... not imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Harry is just so young. He's never done anything for himself ever mm-hmm. other than cooking. And he, yeah. he's never been out in the world like that. And, and then he goes there. Exactly. And he, he has never there. been to... Um, he had never been outside of his house or even his street until um, Vernon went crazy in the last chapter. And then when um, Hagrid took him to London, that was the first time he'd ever been to London. So, like, he has no idea where he is right now. Absolutely. And Hagrid was with him the entire time. So he's mm-hmm. doing this one thing all by himself. 
Yeah. And he has no I he has no idea what he's doing. Absolutely no idea. And yeah. he, I think it's he has 10 minutes left before the train leaves and he yeah. doesn't know where anything is. And he just happens to find the Weasleys. Just yeah, just happens, happens to. You know, with their fiery red hair, I think is how she described it. Yes, yes. Well, it was and, the mention of muggles that really attracted Harry in yes, the first place. Yes. And then Mrs. Weasley asked what the platform number was, which I thought was weird because she had, she has like what, six boys? Yes. And, and you five would think of them that... were already in the school. So Absolutely. Like... <laughs> so you would think she knew where it was, but exactly. I understand with that many children, she's got to, you know, have things a little messed up and yeah, mixed up in there. That's true. I mean, she's probably um, tired all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm pretty sure she's a stay-at-home mom too, and I would go insane. So if I had yes. that many, if I had that, that many, many children, boys, oh. I boys just <laughs> and then boys. the twins. Yeah. She, the twins get into so much trouble. So you could only imagine what she goes through every day. Yes. I'm surprised that she has red hair and it isn't gray. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yes. I feel like if I had the twins as my kids. I probably would not have hair. I probably would pull it out. <laughs> exactly. So she's doing intense. better than expected. <laughs> but, you know, good for her. She kept trying until she got little, uh, little Jenny, right? Yes. yes. Six boys and one girl. Absolutely. That's All right. So they manage, they managed to find their way between platform nine and three quarters. And then Harry gets settled. That whole thing happens. And I loved how the twins were so harsh. They taunted Ron so harshly. Yes. <laughs> and and that never happens in the movie. So I thought that was very interesting. And yeah. I really liked that That's as character true. development. That's true. The, I don't think that you really see the twins being, uh, not necessarily mean, but being like brotherly silly with yes. Ron in the movies as much as they are in the books. If you really pay attention to the movies compared to the books, Ron is kind of isolated in the movies. Uh, so that really brings a lot of character into Ron in the books as well. Yeah. And I feel like Ron is kind of characterized as the idiot in the movies. Yes. And he really isn't like you get a lot more personality from him in the books. And there's more to him than just being an idiot. <laughs> Yes. Which he's not really an idiot. He's just, he's just a child. Yeah. <laughs> he's just led astray by his brothers. And then he's just learning everything again because he learned it wrong the first time due to the twins being his brothers. So. Precisely. <laughs> so we also meet Neville. Yes. When they're getting on the train, we meet Neville and you get to meet him um, losing things. And being true to his Neville self. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we meet Neville. Um, and I'm pretty sure we meet Neville before we meet Hermione. Yes. Yep. Yes. So um, Neville's looking for his toad. And it really it introduces Neville and, you know, sort of his scatterbrained self. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Then Hermione comes along after so, yes, I, I do think that's very interesting because that does not happen in the movie. No, and you actually 
hear about Neville before you um, we even get to the train scene. Like there, you hear about someone losing a toad yes. um, in the crowd. So you kind of see, you kind of hear about Neville before you even meet Neville. And then, yeah, you meet Neville before you meet Hermione. Yeah. And then I, I, they just did not do his character justice in the movies. They really no, did not. no, they just kind of, they kind of made him a buffoon, which I mean, he is kind of a buffoon in the first book, but there, there's still more to him than just being <laughs> forgetful and clumsy. Like, <laughs> like there is yes. more to him, but that's what the movies make him look like. Yes. And then in the books, they go more into depth about the Weasleys being poor than they do in the movies. Which- yes, because you you kind of get the sense that, you know, he is poor and everything, but yeah. you don't really know. And it does go in depth with that a lot more. Yeah. And you really, I mean, like you get it from the fact that they made his nose dirty and then that he packed his own lunch for the train. Mm -hmm. You kind of get that, but you don't really truly understand it until Draco says something in the movies. And then even then it's really not like taken as seriously as in the books where they describe like everything that he talks about and all the stuff that he doesn't have and like that stuff. And later in the series, you get like, there's even more depth to it. And it's just, I think the Absolutely. books do it a lot more justice, but yes. I also have to say that um, if I had six boys and a girl, I think anyone in normal circumstances would be on the poor side. Cause that's a lot of mouths to feed. <laughs> so. A lot of mouths to feed and children. Eat, yes. Especially teenage boys. <laughs> yeah. They eat tremendous amounts of food. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) So, like, you can't fault them for that. I don't think anyone, even the rich Malfoys, would have enough money for that many children. Absolutely not. Yeah, so, and my comment that I wanted to make also as well is Harry is, in the very beginning, even though it does, Ron does kind of describe that they don't have a lot of money, Harry does become a little insensitive about his money before he offers Ron snacks as well. So I thought that was like, I don't know if it was his lack of communication because he's not able to communicate very well with people or friends or I don't know, but I just thought that it was a little insensitive. He just goes up to the trolley and he just purchases a ton of food and just sits there and waits for Ron or him to offer him food. I thought that was a little insensitive. I think it's also... Uh, like Harry's out of his element because he's never had money before in his life. So I think it's more of the fact that he has all this money and it's like jingling in his pocket and he wants to use it so bad that he forgets about who's in the cart with him and like what's going on behind him. And I do have to say that he does kind of fix the insensitivity when he offers to give food to Ron and take the sandwich that Ron had and then just like completely ignores the sandwich and they just enjoy the candy without worrying about any of that. I do think that he fixed it, but yeah, yeah, he is a little insensitive (laughs) at the beginning. (laughs) Yes. But I mean, I think that anyone would be if they've never had money in their life and then they come across uh, a fortune. I mean, I don't think that I would be able to hold myself back if I had well, of money course and not. I never had money in my life like of course not but honestly like if I was in Harry's shoes I would be like I mean you don't have to eat that sandwich <laughs> let's eat this together I want I have money that I want to spend so let's just 
you know, yeah. let me treat you, Ron. Let me treat you. I think it also has something to do with Ron's personality too. I think Harry knew that Ron just wouldn't take that. He wouldn't just, he would have to give Harry something. He wouldn't just be able yeah. to take the food for free. So I think Carrie was kind of already intuitive to that. Yes. Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of the candy that he buys, why why is every flavor beans a thing? Like, wh- I just don't understand. Like, um, I don't understand Wizarding World in that sense. Like, why do you want to eat booger flavored beans exactly and other than you know obviously <laughs> that's what children would eat but late like obviously later in what is it the uh this book or is it the second book Dumbledore comes up and he yes. eats them it, mm, you know I don't know if it's later in this book or if it's the next book no I think it is the end of this book mm-hmm. I think it is the end of this book but I that do understand sense. the allure for children mm-hmm. for the every flavor of beans because you know jelly beans every flavor booger flavor it's just yeah like you never yeah, know tease your friends anything it would be that kind of business but for like a wizard world why would every flavor of bean be the best yeah marketing <laughs> i don't know i don't know it and it's just a little strange like why would that be a like and it's something that people are fond of like it's something that they want to get because they think it's cool but like why is that even an invention I like why did why did that even cross your mind I just like I just don't understand why how when what yeah, yeah like um no exactly <laughs> I just I don't understand it <laughs> yes and speaking of snacks the uh, chocolate frogs um I love the comment that Harry makes about the picture moving um, in my opinion, shouldn't it be obvious what muggles can and can't do? Because Ron can't believe that muggles don't have pictures that move. I yeah, thought- it's weird. The things that wizards don't understand about the muggly- muggle world, it, it's just weird. Yes, it is. It's just weird. And like when you l- learn later what Ron's dad does, it makes it even more confusing. So I'm sure. But we won't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> later, later. Yes. When we get to that point, we'll talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, while they're eating all these enjoyable snacks uh, more like candy i don't think i don't know why they're snacks called snacks but they're candy it was a um, bunch of sweets <laughs> yes it was um draco and his bodyguards show up on the train and in the movie it's not until um in they're in, yeah they're in the castle that we meet draco and his bodyguards and they do the whole choose your friends wisely kind of conversation and then but, that is whenever draco admits that the Rons, the Weasleys, they uh, are poor. Yeah. And that's where that comes in. So, yes, it the scene, I feel like, fit better in the books than it did in the movies. It kind yes. of seems really um, like organized. Yes. Like, like it's a part. It's a very important part to Draco's character. Mm-hmm. And they needed to put it in there. But it, they didn't like that they were going to have to copy the book script. So they did it in their own way. Yeah, and I think it was just, I don't think they wanted to be on the train that long in the movies. Because we are on the train a long time in the book. 
Yes. So I think that that might have been why they took they moved it into the um into Hogwarts. But at the same time, like you don't you also don't get Scabbers attacking Draco, which would have yes. been a phenomenal scene in the movie, just because Absolutely. that would have been hilarious. <laughs> and then Scabbers hits the window and then they think he passed out. But and he's asleep. Takes, he's just asleep. <laughs> and I feel like that would also because Scabbers, I do know from the movies, I have not read past after the second book so I'm not sure Mm -hmm. but I do know that Scabbers comes back as a character in the movies so I feel like that is important too as well yes a little bit I don't it kind of is weird because when you think about what Scabbers comes back to be later on it doesn't make sense why he attacked Malfoy but in the same sense um I guess you can earn a loyalty to someone even if you like that's not your purpose of being I don't know it it just kind of gets confusing when you think further along the lines of the (laughs) storyline or it could be simple and it was Draco disturbed scabber sleep it could be you're right he could just be pissed (laughs) off because Malfoy woke him up I I mean exactly it literally could be that simple (laughs) yes and then speaking of uh scenes on the train since it, it was a very long trip um Hermione never uses any spell with Ron. Remember whenever Ron is trying to use a spell on Scabbers? Mm -hmm. um, Hermione never used the spell on Harry's glasses. No, he didn't. Or she didn't. No. And that honestly really kind of introduces Hermione in the movie. I feel like it does introduce a little bit of Hermione's stuck up, know-it-all type of attitude. Yeah. Because they describe it better in the books but in the movie i do understand how that's how they incorporated that part of herself yeah because you can't really in the books they do a lot more like behind the scenes conversation of um hermione being a know-it-all and in the movies you can't really show that without dialogue so it makes sense but at the same time we never hear harry fixing his glasses so like does he just go through hogwarts with broken glasses (laughs) Maybe eventually behind the scenes, somewhere in there, he fixes them himself. You know, maybe. Yes. (laughs) Or Hermione does later on. We just don't know about it. But right now, we haven't come across the time where they fix the glasses. So. (laughs) Yes. Who knows? So chapter seven, the sorting hat. We finally get to Hogwarts. Yes. And um, I did not write this in our notes, but I thought it was a little weird that they split the first years from the rest of every like everyone else and they go in a different way to school yes because i do know it later in the movies they go they go to hogwarts in a different way mm-hmm. than over a lake mm-hmm. they ride boats so, their first year yes. and they do not do that the rest of the time but i wonder if they did that to kind of introduce the because they do say that you see the whole castle the whole hogwarts building um, so I'm wondering if maybe they did that to kind of like an introduction for the new kids. Like, yeah. this is what it is. Yeah, maybe making it a little more dramatic on what they're coming to live at for the next uh, however long they're there. Nine months. Yeah. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. It also could just be that um, they're wasting time and going on a slower like way to Hogwarts so that everyone else gets into the dining hall before the first years do. Yes. I still think it's interesting that they would take different, <laughs> a different yes. way. Yes. But. 
<laughs> it works. So whatever. <laughs> um, but moving on, since we are talking about the sorting hat, where would you want the sorting hat to sort you in? Honestly, choose wisely. No, <laughs> I'm thinking. Honestly, I'm pretty sure mine would either be between. I want to say Slytherin too as well, though. Really? Okay, okay. Because I am leaning towards Slytherin. Hmm. They just, they can do so much. And I yes. feel like I have this attitude where I just, yes. I kind of would get on people's nerves. Like, I would be a nice Slytherin. Yes. In so, sort of steaming to, way. To pause us talking about this book, um, J.K. Rowling does terribly at uh, talking about the Slytherins. She just kind of gives them a bad name. And but they're so, not all bad. No. And, but she never gives us any information on the good Slytherins. She only talks about the bad ones. Yes. And so, like, I hate that Slytherins are given a bad name just because of J.K. Rowling writing it that way. And then she later on comes back and, like, tries to smooth it over, saying that there were some Slytherins that helped and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you should have wrote it. You should have wrote it. But she mm. also gives Hufflepuffs a bad name. So, like, yeah. but... So if you were in the sorting hat, what house do you think the sorting hat would sort you in and what house would you want to be in? Okay. So I would want to be probably want to be in Slytherin. Okay. Um, but maybe Hufflepuff. Okay. Might sort me in Hufflepuff. Yeah. Just because I am an airhead. <laughs> and is that a is that a description of Hufflepuff? Sometimes. I don't think it is. Sometimes. I'm pretty sure that somewhere, I don't think it's in the books, actually. I think it's in one of the Hogwarts games or whatever. But they say that Hufflepuffs are really good finders. So is it really airheads? (laughs) Maybe. I could see you being in Hufflepuff, but I also could see you in Slytherin. Mm -hmm. I really could. I think that you would probably get along better in Slytherin. Oh, yes. Because I think that you would be a little too, um, oh, what sword that I want? Um, not conniving, but I think that you would have a little bit of a mischievous side that wouldn't fit with the Hufflepuffs as well. So I could see you easily in Slytherin. You would be right. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, for me, I think that I would probably be in between Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. Mm, I can see you in Ravenclaw. I would pick Ravenclaw. I don't know if the sorting hat would put me in Ravenclaw, but that's where I would want to go. Which I'm pretty sure that technically you are the representation of your personality. Mm -hmm. So obviously the sorting hat will sort you accordingly, but it is also technically your choice. Yeah. Because your choice speaks a lot about your personality as well. Yes. And you can kind of see that when Harry picks Griff. Not it doesn't really pick Gryffindor, but does not want to go to Slytherin. So that the hat has to pick somewhere different. Yes. So you can kind of see that in that scene. Yes. But yes. And, and to talk about the sorting hat, the sorting hat. Book. <laughs> absolutely. The sorting hat never sings in the movie. No. The sorting <laughs> hat doesn't have any personality, any dialogue that really counts other than him sorting exactly doesn't mcgonagall talk about the different houses and like what they're like what they are yes she does so that that scene with mcgonagall and them in the hallway um that is all there they took nothing out they they did 
go in depth a little bit about the houses, Mm -hmm. but they never really give the hat or the songs or the school songs. They never really give them credit in the movie. In the books, I don't think McGonagall actually talks about other than names, the houses. I don't think she actually gives like the that Hufflepuff is for the just and loyal. I don't think that she actually says any of that. I think that she just tells them that those are the houses that you could be sorted in and then just kind of leaves them there. Yes. But in the movie, she, yeah, she talks about it more and she, so they, I think they take the dialogue away from the hat because I don't think they wanted to figure out how to make the hat sing and give it to McGonagall, which I mean, I'm okay with McGonagall having more lines, but I think it would have been hilarious to see the hat sing. It would have been hilarious, yes. Yes. (laughs) And then what I love is going up into the sorting of the hat. Um, The hat speaks quietly to Harry. Yeah. But in the movies, he speaks to everyone. He has like a sort of a a comic relief type of dialogue going on. But he speaks really quietly, like as if it's in his head, instead of speaking out to everyone else, unless he's shouting the house. Yeah, which I think in the movies, I think that was a bad play because I don't think that they should have had the hat talking to everyone about what was going on in Harry's head. Like, I think that it fuels more issues later on. Yes. And and I think that it was better that it's just talking to Harry and talking him through like what's going on than telling everyone what's going on in Harry's head. Because that's just more that people didn't need to know. <laughs> exactly. Oh. And then also the sorting hat is very large. It's described because I get it in the books. They're children. They're, mm-hmm. they're children. So the sorting hat, obviously, it's going to swallow their head. Yes. But they don't do that in the movies. And they no. kind of jump it, into it like, oh, it's just covering their eyes. It's it's swallowing the hat, their head. Like, stays like a hat on their head, no matter like how big or small the head is. And in yes. those books... Like the hat engulfs half their face. <laughs> You're looking into the hat. Like there is no um, people out in the dining hall. Like you, all you see is the inside of this hat. Yes. Which I thought was a very interesting thing for JK Rowling to put in there. Yeah. But I do understand. I think it, it. also kind of makes sense. I think mm-hmm. it makes more sense than just the hat sitting on top of your head. Absolutely. But maybe the movie just didn't want to make half of their face disappear I don't know it's Hollywood who knows (laughs) (laughs) but they also don't have the school song in there right I don't think the school song's in the movie which actually I I do not recall they tried to do that and I think it's a deleted scene but don't quote me on that um I would love to see that (laughs) I have the movie so I'll have to go look and see Mm -hmm. I think it was a deleted scene (laughs) but I do love that Dumbledore's like everyone sing on your own tune of the song and then the twins are singing this song to the funeral march like I yes I love that scene because the twins and again I bring this up the twins have more of a mischievous character in the books than they do the movies they their mischievousness does come up later in the series more but in the first book, already you're introduced to the twins and they are so mischievous. They are so yeah. silly. And I love that. Yeah. And I do think that um, like you get some funny comments from them throughout the movies, but like there's so much more to them in the books and they're so much better. Like Yes. 
you understand why Mrs. Weasley goes crazy <laughs> whenever she gets a letter home about the twins in the book than you do in the movie. So, and whenever Ron gets in trouble later on, and <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. completely understandable. Mm-hmm. The one kid that she was banking on to not be as mischievous as the twins, and he's <laughs> mischievous, he gets yep. into some trouble. Yep, he gets involved with Harry, and things just go haywire. <laughs> And again, I do have to mention that real quick. Honestly, what parent wouldn't think that Harry is a bad influence? Because later in this book, it does come up. He is very persistent about these mysteries and what's going on on the outside of Hogwarts and everything, which bad influence, in my opinion, as a mother. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really just let things go. He seems to Mm -hmm. hang on to like what's going on outside of what he really needs to focus on, which is school and learning magic. He, and yes, yeah. bad things happen, but you don't see the other students go investigating. Yeah. So it makes you wonder like why Harry's going after all the craziness. Like, but it is just need craziness in his life. <laughs> yeah. But may, maybe that's what helps him cope and then grow as a person. It's just him trying to find a way to be a hero like he was maybe he's trying to make up for the fact that he didn't really save everyone from the dark lord or anything like that yeah or he could be um oh i forget the psychology term for it but fulfilling your your schema I, i don't think that's right basically you are written into this platform of who you are And whether or not you really were supposed to be that, you fulfill it anyways, because Mm -hmm. that's what everyone expects you to be. So that might be what's going on is that he's, he's expected to be this hero. And so he just kind of does the things out of that, like, thought process. Yeah. And that sense of obligation. I could understand that. Yeah. I also think that it could just be him trying to find closure with his parents. Yes. Like just trying to figure out what he can to try and like, I don't know, just find what happened and maybe like try and um, make it I, not necessarily better. What's the word that I want? Um, I've lost it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, whatever. I'll think of it later. <laughs> yes. Well, to backtrack a little bit, because I'm pretty sure this scene is before the sorting hat scene, which we got a little ahead of ourselves. I... Oh, so <laughs> we do that on page, <laughs> yes, on page 125, it describes a little bit about Neville and his story, which a lot of Neville is left out in this book. Mm-hmm. Neville's family is so harsh. They, yes, they really thought that he would end up with no magic and they tried everything up their sleeves to try to figure out how to make him you know levit like i think it was levitate they put didn't they push him out a window or they, something they were holding him upside down outside of a window to try and get him to use magic to get himself out of that situation is basically what they were trying to do they were trying to scare him into using magic and i was like um if this boy truly is a muggle and has no magical powers, you're just trying to kill your own kid. <laughs> yes. Cause if something happens, you're going to be at fault because if he was, if he did, if he didn't have any magic, yeah, then, you know, splat, just nope. Right. Right. He would just be so, like, like it would just be ruined. There would be no Neville. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I get the sense that Neville's grand, his his grandmother, she is very protective of Neville because of everything that happened with his family that 
doesn't come up until later. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I just can't see why Neville's family is so harsh to him. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, especially because of how protective we learn that the family is later on. Mm-hmm. It makes it really weird that they would go to the extent of almost killing Neville to try yes. and get him to pull magic out of him. It, it's, it's kind of not nest, like a little off putting, I would say, just because mm-hmm. it doesn't really follow along the lines of what you learn about his family later. Yes. It's very weird. Yes. <laughs> it is very weird, which honestly, more character as well. Like that scene to me describes Neville. A lot. And it inserts him in there. But I feel like they do cut that out a lot. I feel like it also makes you more understanding on why he's such a scaredy cat. Yes. Because (laughs) they tried everything they could to get to scare the crap out of him and to make him use magic. And I don't know about you, but if I was being held upside down outside of a window, even if I did have magical powers, I think I'd still be scared shitless. So... (laughs) Of course. Yes. Heights. Don't go there. Nope. 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 Don't like heights. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Yes. So another thing, another character that they kind of downplay in the first movie for me, uh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore is a bit mad in the books. He is a bit quonky or quirky or anything like he, they don't really go much into that. And the, the actor for Dumbledore in the movie was a bit frail. I get it, but they don't really bring in his silliness, his, his need to just make people laugh. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they attempt it because they do make him say some weird words in the movie, but I think that, and I fault the directors for it because both Dumbledore actors, whoever, both of the actors that played Dumbledore weren't, exactly on par with who Dumbledore truly is in the books because you go from someone who's really downplayed and caring and more on the um low-key side of Dumbledore's personality and then like three movies later you've got this hyped up yelling Dumbledore and yes. there's and neither one of them truly fit the in-between which is who Dumbledore truly is. Like he has both of those moments, but that's not his defining moments. Exactly. They just don't truly hit it on the the nail. (laughs) Um, But we also meet all the ghosts in this chapter. And um, the beginning of the chapter, they talk about Peeves, but you don't truly meet him until later on. But he's not even mentioned in the movies. No. um, He's not even a thing in the movies. (laughs) No. And that's another thing that I thought was very interesting. And it really entertained me reading this first book for the first time was because Peeves is such a troublemaker. Yes. He, He has such a lively character for being a ghost. Yeah. Well, he's a poltergeist. He's not... A, a true ghost well yes the ghost say in the book like you can't see me because it's a podcast but I am using the finger quotes right now yes ghost <laughs> so Peeves is just such a a character and it really sucks they didn't have that in the movies because yeah. he again a comic relief it really is and yeah and I think that I mean 
So they, I do believe that they did try to put Peeves in the movie because I think that they even had someone cast for his voice, but then they ended up not using him. And I, I feel like it was a terrible choice, but I do understand it because he Peeves does have a lot of comic relief in this book, but he doesn't truly come into a serious play until later on in the series. And so they maybe they just didn't think that he necessarily was needed in the movies. And then they ran into the issue later on. They were like, shit, we should have put him in the movies. Because yes. um, he does play a big role later on. Yes. But he, he is mostly comic relief in the first book. <laughs> yes. But he is a cool character. And I think it would have been cool for him to be in the movies. Oh, yeah. And then Nearly Headless Nick, he, his character, because he's described as silly in the mm-hmm. movie, kind of a little bit, but he he seems just to get irritated very yes. easily in the books. And that is a very distinct separation between those two characters because Peeves is enjoying the afterlife. He, he finds fun in it. And then Nearly yeah. Headless Nick is just sitting there like, meh children yeah yeah he doesn't he doesn't seem as I mean I wouldn't say that he's hateful towards children in the books either but he does have a little bit of a disdain for them like he isn't as joyful and welcoming as he is in the movies Mm -hmm. um but he is he does tend to get that personality later on which you'll see when you read further but he's not very uh joyful in the beginning (laughs) so at the end of chapter seven we see um, Harry pass out in the dorm room that he has. I don't really know if that's what they call it, but I'm going to call it a dorm room. Um, and he has a dream about the turban that Professor Quirrell wears and that he's like inside of this turban being told that he should um, should have joined Slytherin. And then he's like being suffocated by the, the turban and then... Malfoy's laughing at him because he's struggling with the turban and then Snape is there and he wakes up sweating and freaked out and then goes back to sleep and conveniently forgets it all conveniently forgets it all exactly that's what I was thinking as well conveniently he forgets it all I just think that that's just like (laughs) like it's so telling of what's gonna happen later on but of course we can't have the main character knowing that this is something that's important later on. So we're just going to have him forget everything. Just, just nothing happened. Like nothing ever happened. Exactly. Good, good play, Jackie Rowling. Good play. Alrighty. So we've been talking for about 40 minutes now and um, we're going to cut this episode short just because we're only two chapters in and I'm sure we could just keep talking for another two hours. So, um, we're going to end it here. And then the next episode will start on chapter eight. So again, don't forget that you can find us on Patreon where you can subscribe to be a patron and see all the fun behind the scenes, um, type of joyous occasions where we just ramble and discuss, um, random things that don't always pertain to the books that I'm sure you would love to hear about us rambling. Um, you can also ask us questions, be a part of discussion, maybe even see us a video, cha- video chat with you guys. Um, 
just go ahead and hop on patreon.com and look up discount ticket to world unknown and you should be able to find us on there and then as always if you would like to discuss with us about the chapters that we just read and tell us what you think of things or where you have been sorted you sure can send that to our proton mail it's discount ticket number two world unknown at protonmail.com we'd love to hear from you